in for uh, those of you that are watching us on TV, whenever I'm speaking, I'm going to take my mask off. In fact, I don't know if you saw the article in the Telegram, an 80-year-old woman who's hard of hearing is having to adjust to not her breathing. Our call to worship is from Psalm 89. Yahweh, God of hosts, who is like thee, almighty Yahweh? Thy faithfulness also surrounds thee. Thou dost rule the swelling of the sea. When its waves rise, thou dost still them. Thou thyself didst crush Rahab like one who is slain. Thou didst scatter thine enemies with thy mighty arm. The heavens are thine, the earth also is thine, the world and all it contains. Thou hast founded them. The north and the south, thou hast created them. Tabor and Harmon, shout for joy at thy name. Thou hast a strong arm, thy hand is mighty, thy right hand is exalted. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of thy throne. Loving kindness and truth go before thee. How blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. Yahweh, they walk in the light of thy countenance. In thy name they rejoice all day, all the day. And by thy righteousness they are exalted, for thou art the glory of their strength, and by thy favor our horn or strength is exalted. Let's continue to worship the Lord with number 115, the church's one foundation.
three-in-one God, we are gathered here this morning to worship you. Please help us to put aside all distractions. Lord, please keep the enemy from causing any disruptions among us. And may we worship you in song, in prayer, in word, and sacrament. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. And uh, the only real announcement I want to make, but not too many of our Vestry Voices authors are here with us this morning, but uh, that will be due a week from today, July, or tomorrow. July is quickly passing away. And now would you take your bulletin inserts, we're going to use them twice this morning, and let us pray our prayer of confession together. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare thou those, O God, who confess their faults. Restore thou those who are penitent, according to thy promises, declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. And also, uh, let us just be grateful for the discipleship letter that John wrote. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And now let us continue uh, to worship the Lord, uh, singing this great song about the church, number 117, We Are God's People.
speak as always as they, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom shines light in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. Amen. And now, uh, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we praise you for your greatest and indescribable gift to us of your Son, the Savior King. And we also thank you for the great gift that comes with him, your church, that we are all baptized into a new family, a forever family, being made like him and empowered by you to finish his mission by holding out the gospel to make disciples of people of all nations who are um, learning to obey all your commands by faith in order to enjoy your life-changing love. Salah. We ponder in awed silence. Your son says you are always working. And this morning we pray you will work in us to realize our assignment. The work we are called to do for you is too much for any of us to do alone. So begin to break down all the barriers that have inhibited us from forming teams among us, the 25 or so of us that are part of this church. Help us to come together in teams of two and three, four or more, to be light in our dark world and to hold out your word of life, the gospel of Jesus. In short, help us to be a little more like the Southern Baptist. So as we are about to sing, fill us with the Holy Spirit to do the work you have given us. We can do nothing without being filled with both your Holy Spirit and your word, all scripture is given through the Holy Spirit by you. And we pray for the world. May this pandemic open hearts everywhere to human insufficiency. We really cannot save ourselves. Please convince all people of this. And please help us to show and tell all about Jesus in all of our interpersonal interactions. And we pray for our nation. How did it happen that life and morality are considered unthinkable 
so that abortion, euthanasia, and having sex pretty much with anyone at any time is now considered normal. As this old Christian told Alexander Solzhenitsyn in the Gulag prison, this is because we have forgotten God. So we pray for our president and thank you, our president, and thank you for all he has done to promote life, and also our vice president. And we pray for our governor and lieutenant governor, for Congress, the courts, small businesses. Father, they are all essential. Also, the research that's going on, medicine, finance, law, public service, food service, hospitality. May we reach the point where we can again travel safely. And we also pray for those who are in the arts. And we pray for our self, our body. Father, we pray for your word to change us that we can do all three commands we have heard from your scripture this morning. And we pray especially for the sacrament, which we will conclude our time of worship with. And Father, thank you that Jesus gave us a short prayer that says all we need to know about worship and has all the necessary petitions in it. So we pray with one heart and one voice saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now we will sing one more song, number 159, before we dig deeper into God's word.
this message is for the family of God, the church of Jesus Christ. However, even if you are not really sure where you might stand with God in His church, and even if you have not fully surrendered to God through Jesus in humble, obedient faith, turning from yourself and your ways to God and His ways, uh, and then being baptized into His church, as Paul wrote to the Corinthians, by the Holy Spirit. I believe there is still something for you in this passage and this message. Now, the main point is that um, the church is the children of God, the body of Christ, and they are to testify to the salvation that they have received in God through the gospel of life. And all the while that they are also realizing that there can be suffering and sacrifices that have to be made as they apply this salvation in Christ. And also, I want you, I hope you notice the number of plural pronouns. I counted them up. There are some 21 plural nouns and pronouns that are addressed to the church in Philippi. The only singular nouns and pronouns have to do with the Apostle Paul and God himself. And so, in this dark and perverted world, it is only the dark and perverted world that kind of exalts individuals uh, up. Uh, God's people, the only individuals, the only one that we are to exalt and follow is God's Son Himself, Jesus Christ, our Savior, the God-Man. Now, as a little aside, I believe this is why God is not going to raise up another Billy Graham for a while. Billy Graham was very faithful, and he did all that God called him to do. But I really believe deep down in my heart, because there were a lot of Christians that said, well, Billy Graham is witnessing, I don't need to do what God has called me to do. But I believe God really wants people in his local church to be the ones who live for him and show and tell people all about who Jesus Christ is. And I believe that is what God is going to do. Because um, there is an American cliche that I, I really personally don't like. One man or one person can make all the difference in the world. Yes, this is true. But I have studied history and the really effective movements that change the world are always when a group of people come together for one specific goal. And the goal that God has for His uh, church is that um, 
we are to ask ourselves, how can we, as God's church, a local church, even in the era of COVID-19, how can we, we, bring the good news of Jesus Christ to our world? Now, there are three commands in this passage, and we'll look at each command individually. Paul commands his beloved church to obediently live out the gospel work which God is doing in them. So he says, my beloved, as you have obeyed when I was with you, now so much more when I am in prison with fear and trembling, the salvation you have received, live it out. Do it. So he starts out literally, so then, my beloved, just as all of you have always obeyed. Now this word beloved is a very strong term of endearment. He used it once when he wrote to the Romans, once when he wrote to the Thessalonians, yes, four times to the Corinthians, but he wrote 29 chapters to them. Here, three times in four chapters, he calls them his beloved. Clearly, clearly, he loved this local church. And Paul knew that the members of this church were consistent in their obedience of faith, despite some problems, and we'll come across more of them in this letter. He says, not only in my presence, but how much more in my absence. Remember, this church was founded by Paul when we worked through Acts some years ago now. We saw in chapter 16 how Paul and Silas were used by God over the course of many months to plan, plant the church here. But now we're at the end of Acts chapter 28. The second half of that chapter talks about his house arrest. He's in his two-year house arrest. And it's some ten years after he founded this church. And he says, with fear and salvation, or trembling, fear and trembling, it's a common phrase, the salvation of you all must be lived out in what you do. Now, this term, fear and trembling, human fear of God and reverence, the author of Hebrews tells us, goes all the way back to the days of Noah. And let me quote from Hebrews. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So what Paul is talking about here in commanding is that all followers of Jesus must live according to biblical morality and ethics. This is an ethical charge that he's given them. Why? Because God is the indicative. He's working in you all. God is the initiator and perfecter of our faith in Jesus Christ. This is Hebrews 12. But we do have responsibilities 
complete the work that He has begun in us. We are to cooperate with Him. So this morning let us all commit to living out our salvation together under the assurance, the faith that God is working in us to enable us and to empower us to do His will, His work. God's children must uh, complete the work that God is doing in them. And then he has this implied, God is working for good pleasure or good thinking. Now, there's a question mark, the hymn, His Good Pleasure, that's in brackets, that's inferred. Is this really God's good pleasure or is it just good pleasure? But the important point not to miss is that when people respond to God's work in them with faithful and be obedience, God is pleased because His good plan of salvation is being fulfilled. And as we saw last week in the verse which precedes this, when Jesus Christ did everything that God called Him to do on this earth, it brought glory to God. And when we ask his church, do that which he has commanded us to do, to do the work of bringing salvation to others, it does bring him pleasure. Secondly, Paul commands that in all things, five things, we are to be blameless children of God, lights in the world, holding out the gospel word, so that Paul will boast on the day the Lord Jesus returns to judge the world. So he says, do all without murmuring, blameless children in a perverted generation, lights in the world holding out the word of life. You all must do things without murmuring and arguing. Now this word murmur in English, it sounds like what it is. Grumbling. And in the Torah, this pair of words was used twice. It talked about how the Israelites under Moses said, you're not giving us any food. We had all these leeks and onions and good things to eat in Egypt, and we don't have any food. And then God brought the manna and the quail. And then later they said, who is Aaron to be someone special over? And Moses had them all put their rods in front of the Lord's um, testimony, Ark of Testimony overnight, and it was Aaron's bud that blossomed. And that you may be blameless children of God. God's children do not complain, oh, I don't have enough food, or about God's chosen leaders. They are not to be corrupted by the world, which is what comes next. He says, you are unblemished in the midst of a crooked and perverted generation. That's the word in English, perverted. Now, in this song that Yahweh said Moses was to teach the people of Israel, that's at the end of the Torah, 
Deuteronomy 32, the third from last chapter. In verse 5, this is a quote of a warning that Yahweh gives to God's people, not pagans. He says they have acted corruptly toward him. And they are not his children because of their defect. They have become a perverted and crooked generation. It didn't take but the generation after Joshua died, and I'm reading Judges right now, before they started worshiping anything and everything but God. But Paul is saying to these Christians who have been called out and have been empowered by the Holy Spirit and are now following Jesus Christ, in whom you are all being made to appear as lights, in the world, light in the world. He may be referencing Daniel. Paul really knew his scripture backward and forward. And in Daniel 12, 3, it says, those who are wise will be shining like lights in an outstretched sky. But bottom line of this second command, the bottom line of being followers of Jesus Christ, he says, you are holding up the word of life. Now in Acts 5.20, the apostles were being accused and they said, we must bring forth the words of life. That's Acts 5.20. So we are to do this in our generation. This is how the great commission of Matthew 28 will be fulfilled. We are all to have faith that God will um, work through us that we carry the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ of forgiveness and reconciliation with God. That's what it's all about. Um, so that people may turn from themselves and turn to God. They will repent. May we seek God in prayer to work together to be light in this dark and wicked world where abortion and perversion abound and together may we hold out the words of life, the words of the truth of the gospel of what Jesus Christ has done. God's blameless children are to cooperate with God in the work that He is doing in them. Yes, God is working in us, but we must cooperate. And then uh, Paul will, says, I can then boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or work hard in vain. He says, with the result that I may boast in the day of Christ. Paul is looking forward to that last day when Jesus Christ comes to judge the living and the dead. That is three times in the New Testament that I did not run in vain, nor did I work hard in vain. And, you know, being somebody who ran a couple of marathons, I really liked 1 Corinthians 9, where Paul uses that analogy from the Olympic Games, that we are to be uh, runners, 
running the ranks in like boxers boxing, and we are not to do it in vain. And then lastly, he commands them to rejoice with him even in the sacrifices required of ministry, of their faith. And here we have the synergy, the working together of Paul and the church. But he says, but if also I'm being poured out as a drink offering. Now this is probably obscure to people that don't really know the Torah, but I put Numbers 28 on the back of your bulletins. The high priest, every single day, in the morning and in the evening, was to sacrifice the burnt offering. The burnt offering signified total consecration to God. And with this burnt offering, it was accompanied by a drink offering. There was a certain amount of wine that was poured out on this offering. So what is Paul saying here? He's saying, I'm not the main offering. I'm not the burnt offering. That's the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. I am not the Lamb of the daily sacrifice, but I'm the drink offering. I'm a necessary part of that offering made twice a day, really all day long, to God. So he says, I am the necessary accompaniment. And may we also continue to cooperate in his work by obeying all that Jesus has commanded and teaching everyone to do this by grace through faith. And upon the sacrifice of ministry service of your faith. Now remember, we're working through this letter and all of scripture holds together. Every part is essential. And in the very opening of this letter in his prayer, he said, I thank God of your fellowship together with me in the gospel. So it's his faith and it's their faith working together, the most gracious gift of God. Think of 2 Corinthians 9. The last verse says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift, gift of Jesus Christ. And he says, I'm rejoicing and sharing my joy with all of you. So here we have joy in the mutual sharing of the gospel. And at the end of the letter, we will hear and see that Paul's sharing of Christ with the household of Caesar had resulted in many coming to faith in Jesus Christ and being God's children. It bore fruit. And he's encouraging them to share with others Christ. Uh, what he has done for them so that we may rejoice together, like Jesus said in John 15. Remain in me that your joy may be full. Your joy may be full because you will bear much good fruit. Fruit that will remain. Joy comes from sharing Christ with others together. If we really want to have joy in this life, we have to figure out how together we can share Christ in word and deed. But then he finally commands them to rejoice with him in suffering. 
He says, in the same way, you must all be rejoicing. So he's spelling out specifically what he just inferred. And he says, I am sharing my joy with you. Sharing in suffering. The suffering of being a drink offering poured out to God. Think about this radical statement. Paul is chained to Roman soldiers, yet he knows the source of joy is remaining in Christ to bear much fruit. And this is the joy that is shared by all Christians together. He's sharing it with them, this suffering in his confinement. Paul is following Christ, and so should we. The bottom line of this whole message is this. We must accept, we must accept that just as Christ offered himself in his sacrifice, and he says, it says in Hebrews that the author of our salvation endured the cross with joy because he knew as a result of this suffering he would have many brothers and sisters. That's all who have ever believed in him. And we are called to be joyful in whatever suffering that we may be called to endure to the glory of God as we cooperate with him in his work in us. God is doing a work in us and we have work to do. This pulls the whole passage together. God's blameless children are to cooperate with him in the good work that he is doing. So let me summarize this passage in three sentences. Paul commands the beloved church in Philippi um, to apply the salvation they have received as God is working in them together as the family of God. And secondly, in all that they do, they must witness together in this dark and perverted world to the light they have received, holding up the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel to all people. And finally, they are to do this while rejoicing in whatever sacrifices and suffering they are called to make. God's blameless children, made blameless through faith in Jesus Christ, are to cooperate in this good work that he is doing in them. And that's what the sacrament of communion is all about, as we cooperate with him in his good so now, let us uh, sing together uh, our song to prepare for communion. Let's um, sing number 260, come share with you.
and inserts again, and let us prepare our hearts for communion with this responsive reading. So follow along. The table of bread is now to be made ready. It is the table of company with Jesus and all who love him. It is the table of sharing with the Lord of the world, with whom Jesus identified himself. So come to the table, you who have much faith, and you who would like to have more. You have, you who have been here often, and you who have not been for a long time, and you who have tried to follow Jesus, and you who have failed. Come, it is Christ who invites us to meet Him here. Loving God, through your goodness, may we know your presence in the sharing, so that we may know your touch and presence in all things. We celebrate the life that Jesus has shared among all his community through the centuries and shares with us now. May one in Christ and one with each other we offer these gifts and with them ourselves a single living act of praise. Amen. So this, oops, why did I turn myself off? <laughs> okay, so this is what we're preparing and now um, we will pray together our communion prayer. Holy Lord God, by what we do here in remembrance of Christ, we celebrate his perfect sacrifice on the cross and his glorious resurrection and ascension. We declare that he is Lord of all and we prepare for his coming kingdom. We pray through you, Holy Spirit, that this bread may be for us the body of Christ and this wine the blood of Christ. Accept our sacrifices praise as we eat and drink at his command. Unite us to Christ as one body in him and give us strength to serve you in the world and to you, one holy, eternal God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we give praise and glory now and forever. Amen. And now I ask you each to come up one by one in this age of social distancing and take these communion gifts, the bread and the juice. And now, as we all have the bread and the cup, let us partake together of the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice for us. And now, because we have shared you together, your body and your blood, please empower us and enable us to complete your mission 
on this earth right here where you have placed us now. And now let us sing our closing song together. I heard the voice of Jesus say,
to me how God never changes. And we can take the words of what we call the Old Testament and they apply to our lives. This here is a summary of Philippians. God is working in us because we have work still to do for him.